It's Friday, September 6th, 2019, and this is the Dutch News Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. It had, to, it had to be done. It had to be done. I quit. Friday, September 6th, 2019, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Doggo Stalker, and with me today are Gordon Derrick, my fellow Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Hoodembeta Stalker, and Paul Peters, our multi-talented student, taxi driver, barista, and Disney Stalker. Welcome back, guys. How was everybody's summer? Actually, wait, before we get into how our summers were and how we went on vacation and all that kinds of stuff, or even news related to the Netherlands, Gordon, <laughs> I think you need to get something off your chest. How's Brexit going? It's, did you have to ask? <laughs> well, it's, you were threatening to go on a Brexit-related rant <laughs> so on the podcast So we get it out of the way straight away. Just going to get it out of the way early. Well, I think this week we've hit the point that uh, we describe as DEFCON double-fucked, basically. <laughs> Was it the we've moment that the whole Conservative Party defected, or the moment that you guys well, elected def- Johnson as Prime Minister? Well, where do you begin? I mean, then Harley, his brother quit. <laughs> when his brother quit. Then his brother quit. Hardly anybody elected um, Boris Johnson as Prime Minister is, is the first thing. And then a load of Tory MPs didn't defect they were kicked out of the party yeah. and had to and one one guy defected and so walked across the floor of literally. the house of parliament literally. literally in the middle of boris johnson's speech which was uh yeah a little awkward um it made it, for it, some it, delightful twitter commentary though yeah it is yeah this, it's been absolutely uh, it's been riveting great. watching on twitter it's yeah. been great if you're watching it on any news channel that's not in britain yeah um, yeah so so <laughs> because it, it, the it, brits it, have it, to take it seriously because yeah. your country is falling yeah apart. because it's actually, it's actually happening to them yeah. Yeah. so it just makes me just um, delighted and relieved they wake up every morning uh, on this side of the North Sea but I just feel desperately sorry for people um, that, that I know and love who are actually having, having to live through the thing um, but the weird thing about Brexit really is <laughs> the that one weird thing <laughs> well, you only get a bit so weird, weird thing about Brexit no, seriously well, the one weird thing is I've listened to people all week saying it's just absolutely chaotic I can't follow it anymore what's going on but actually nothing's happening nothing's happened Boris Johnson's still yeah. Prime Minister Jeremy Corbyn is still a terrible opposition leader. The UK is still leaving on October the 31st, although it seems now there's a law going through that will make that, um, uh, that will force Johnson to ask for another extension. As, as of yet, that hasn't happened. Nothing's actually changed. Nothing's materially, materially any different. And well, fundamentally, I guess the, the Conservatives losing, losing there. Yeah. And there are no negotiations yeah. with the EU. It's a crucial bit that everyone's missing. And I think one of the things that Boris Johnson is trying to... Um, uh, frantically to do is just deflect attention from the fact that he has no chance of reopening negotiations with the EU whatsoever and then it's going to be uh, crashing out with a no deal which is going to be disastrous for everyone for, for everyone including yeah including the EU but more disastrous for the UK did you see this article in the Financial Times yesterday by Simon oh God, Cooper yeah Cooper yeah. and he has this really great quote from the some Dutch parliamentarian who was working on the Brexit negotiations in the EU, and she goes, "Yeah, we thought the Dutch were, pra- or the, we thought the English were pragmatic. It turns out we were wrong." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." That- what was uh, what was the opening of news? Yeah, the opening of news here was just said. Uh, anyone who thought that it couldn't get any madder than under Theresa May was profoundly mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, which is a totally accurate analysis. Yeah. It is. So, Molly, um, we know you are a dog stalker. That's true. I am a yeah. dog stalker. But this week you stalked a very special dog, I did. didn't you? I was um, at the high security courthouse at Schiphol yesterday for the ongoing Wilders saga. 
and they have very you know strict security there, including a very adorable working doggo. The Marisha say have like a bomb sniffing. I don't know some sort of attack dog. Presumably. His name was Bob. His name is Bob. Yeah. Bob. Now was he driving home? He has a very beautiful coat. Yeah. And I quite wanted to pet him, and they quickly shut that point down. <laughs> they, they say so. But said no, no. Actually, he's working. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, no, no one asked to pet you when you're working. So <laughs> next, I mean, be, sometimes next... people do. It's, it's called hashtag me too, Gordon. <laughs> and next time you should just wear a bomb. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I can get lots of attention from Bob. Yeah. And then I tweeted about it, and the Marisha say I did not tag them on Twitter, but they clearly are keeping an eye on yeah. things, and then they liked my tweet. Yeah. Or just have some cocaine on you, because yeah, that also that's work. quite easy to find in. Amsterdam yeah, he was not at all distracted by my brojaka. So he is much more well-trained than Truby is, who would have abandoned all hope of working at the first sign of cheese. So, so uh, Paul, how's, yeah. how's Disney World planned? Yeah, you're back at Disneyland again. Yeah, why do you keep going yeah. to this horrible place? I was there in, in July, I yeah. think. Did we? Yeah. yeah, that was in the summer break. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I just got invited and I can join <laughs> it. Yeah. I don't mind, but... Uh, I think it was the last time for... Uh, that's what you said uh, the last time. Yeah, yeah you that's keep true. Saying it. You that's keep true. going What back. do you do when you go to Disney? Disney World? Is it Disney World? Euro Disney. It's, it's, Euro uh, trash Disney. Disney. It's Disneyland Paris. So why do you keep going? What do you do when you're yeah. there? Uh, just yeah. go in the... Uh, you're like in, a guy who keeps in, going back to his ex when it's clear yeah. there's no future in the relationship. <laughs> that's 100% accurate. <laughs> well, it isn't that bad. I mean, I don't have to wait in line with, uh, with the person I'm going with, so because he has this fast pass. So, uh. Uh, so that's the whole... I hate two things about things parks that's one it's expensive and two you have to wait in line for so for so long you're basically mm. the entire day you're spending waiting in line but these two things are taken away so that's why i'm going back fair enough yeah i suppose so so uh you had a slightly less adventurous uh summer yeah. holiday because mm. you were spent it in Trenta instead of in paris I, I, I drove the full length of the hunabet highway um <laughs> and you have the mug <laughs> and to i have the mug it. to prove it yes you have the <laughs> mug <laughs> to prove it and, and i was so delighted with the mug actually i gave one to you, you as a you gift did, as well you gave one to me as a yeah. gift which I, which I knew you'd be pleased by. Yeah, I was extremely pleased. Yeah, I went camping in Trento, which uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll mention when we talk about the weather, because it was 38 degrees in Trento when I was That's camping, <laughs> which was uh, pretty hard going. Yeah. 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 Speaking of gifts, Molly, you are very happy with my gift, I think. Yeah, fuck you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I opened my bathroom door this morning to discover that Paul had changed out the toilet paper roll. Um, which was sort of funny because Gordon and I were sitting at the table and Paul went to go to the bathroom and then I heard this like weird squeaky noise and I was like, what is that noise? And Gordon was like, oh, it's Truby. And I was like, Truby doesn't make that noise. Like, what is this sound? And then it stopped and I was like, all right, whatever, the house didn't fall over, it must be fine. And it turned out it was Paul changing the toilet paper roll to uh, some Donald Trump toilet paper, <laughs> which we've already tweeted about it and now it's going to be on the podcast which means it will not be a surprise when my uh, partner comes home this evening but I'm sure he'll also oh. appreciate the uh, oh yeah we should have thought yeah, about, that. Thought about mm, it yeah. Yeah. yeah oh well secrets out now I'm sure what else has been going on in the Netherlands we've got some uh, we've got some opefs some yeah. opefs we've got a few opefs few opefs yeah but that's in the summer roundup after the break yes mm-hmm. uh, but this is fresh opef from, I like some from fresh this week uh, because as you probably know, the Binnenhof complex in The Hague, uh, which houses both Houses of Parliament and the Prime Minister office, will undergo a major renovation. And it's planned to take uh, f- yeah, five years and it will cost around 500 million euros. Or at least that's what they are planning. Yeah. Uh, we predicted on several occasions that this uh, renovation will be the new Ophef generator for the coming years. Yeah. Uh, replacing Thierry Baudet. Yeah. Replacing Thierry Baudet. I wish I could just replace Thierry Baudet. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> just in the building or yes. anything. Yeah. Which would you would you would you pay 500 million to uh, to pay uh, to replace uh, Cherry Boudet? 
if I had, I could, we could probably crowdfund That's 500 million, million to get a long way. Yes. And this week, the Binnenhof Ophef, because it's starting, was caused by the news that architect Ellen van Loon was paid 2.7 million euros despite being dismissed. Um, initially, van Loon uh, from world renowned architecture firm OMA was hired to draw up the plans for the Binnenhof's update, but she was dismissed after she presented her initial design. And uh, it wasn't well received by <laughs> MPs and the Tweede Kamer's chair, Khadija Arip, because among other things, she proposed an indoor tropical garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was accused of uh, megalomania, and mm-hmm. that's why she, uh, she had to go, because the, uh, the slogan for the renovation is sober but efficient. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have your renovation sober and efficient do not hire someone from oma <laughs> yeah that should not be uh, that, that was that was their own that shouldn't be a surprise a fundamental to i have to say error. i mean I, obviously i haven't seen the plans or the drawings or anything but like having an indoor tropical garden does not really strike me as something that's like uh, how, so, troc- how, how yeah, tropical it depends on how tropical yeah. it's going to be well in, yeah. the, in a 17th century building complex you want to have a tropical yeah, indoor garden but they're gonna have like i mean i when i hear this i assume that they were just gonna have like some kind of atrium with like a palm yeah. tree and like i don't know a glass roof like which seems fine to me i guess well uh, at least the other mps didn't think about it no, uh, that's th- fair th- they didn't want that absolutely but she also proposed to for example tear down one of the senate's historical hallways yeah, that and, yeah. and replace it with a, with a sta- why, yeah. staircase but uh, you know because she was uh, dismissed and she uh, you know is obviously losing a lot of work and a lot of payments they settled and they are going to pay her 2.7 million euros as yeah. a compensation which and start- how long how long did she work on this project for it's i think minutes. a couple of months uh, uh, something like that a couple of weeks not I'm not sure so uh, yeah she got a lot of money for, from yeah. this And um, was yeah. it not OMA that also designed the ministry building where you couldn't walk on the floor yes. was that them as well uh, yeah. well there was another architect no you involved. couldn't dance on the floor you couldn't dance on the floor yeah. walking was fine suit. dancing yes. real problematic uh, and, and piling, uh, oh, piling paper yeah no uh, paper. paper too much paper on the um, floor yeah. yeah there was another architect involved uh, with the initial design and she was responsible for that ministerial right. building yeah I mean, so she's kind of the Boris Johnson of Dutch architecture. Really, <laughs> she, she keeps exactly. failing and keeps getting hired. For, I, for I understand work, yeah. why people are scandalized about this because no, the, it does uh, sound. Uh, uh, ministerial officials got quote depressed for, uh, because of the buildings. So that, yes, yes, she's not very good well. at yeah. uh, designing buildings. I understand that why this sounds crazy that you're going to get paid two point seven million dollars to like not do work basically on the other hand i mean this is like very common in like having contracts right? exactly like, yeah. it's, especially it's, for for these kind of yeah uh, uh in architects and stuff like that i mean they are they are in a creative business and, yeah. and in do- those yeah. kind of uh, businesses this is very but common. they still could just have hired a better architecture firm in the first place exactly so really we should be mad at the trade commerce, not <laughs> at the crazy architect i fully agree i fully agree yeah this week, we're going to tell you about tourism problems, university problems, and of course, Max Verstappen problems. <laughs> and in our discussion, we're going to recap all the news that you missed over the summer. There wasn't that much all of news. It? All of it. The good, yeah. the good stuff. The yeah. good stuff. Yeah. We, we made some... Uh, we, we made a selection. There's a few serious things, and then we talk a lot about beards and yeah. bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. The extent of Amsterdam's cocaine industry has been laid bare in a new report that led police and politicians to warn the Netherlands is on the verge of becoming a narco-state. The authors, Police Academy professor Peter Tops and journalist Jan Tromp, said tourist shops, bars and the housing market were being used to launder vast fortunes amassed during what they called a golden age for drug dealers. The growth of the trade has also coincided with a fourfold rise in the number of shootings in the capital in the last five years and the use of weapons such as hand grenades. 
The report's authors say authorities have ignored the social roots of the problem, with police and prosecutors focusing resources on individual cases. The city's mayor, Famco Halsamar, said there needed to be a coordinated approach that would take, quote, stamina and years of effort. I mean, I know it can help you with stamina. (laughs) (laughs) And years of effort. And years of effort. Um, But how is the government going to uh, plan to tackle this? Yeah, they've put forward a few ideas. Uh, Justice Minister Fred Hopperhaus has said he wants to create a Dutch equivalent of the FBI with 500 dedicated police officers. There's also been the idea of a Dutch DEA. Apparently, they're just copying all the ideas in America because they've done, they're doing so That's well in the war on drugs. Plan. Yes, you should exactly. really not do that. Yeah. Um, and Hopperhaus also said that part of the problem is that uh, cocaine use had become too socially acceptable um, and said, quote, I want to hold up a mirror to cocaine users, which maybe doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't quite appreciate the, what, how mirrors are used by He's cocaine just at the moment. so naive. I don't, I don't... I mean, in what circles has cocaine use become, like, acceptable, more acceptable? Uh, bankers? I'm, bankers, yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of cocaine flowing around Amsterdam. Every year they do this uh, analysis of yeah, the water, the, water. System, it's the sewage really system. Delightful. And there is a lot of cocaine in people's urine, yeah. Yeah, but so. I mean, like, is it... I don't feel like it's becoming more socially... Like, I feel like cocaine has been, like, a thing that rich people, rich white yeah. bankers and lawyers have been doing, like, since the 80s, and that, like, not much about that has changed, mm-hmm. and that you have, like, some young 20-somethings who are, like, experimenting with shit that, like, occasionally do a little bit of cocaine, and then, like, I don't know, rock stars, maybe, and that's it. Like, well, I, cocaine I go, sale you know, has I'm been like going up for years now, mid, so... Yeah, mid-30s woman who goes to parties where other drugs are done, and, like, <laughs> I've only ever been offered cocaine once in my entire time of living in the... I don't know, maybe I need different friends. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, and is there not a lot, of, a lot more cocaine export as well? I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, the thing is that Rotterdam is now just being... Yeah. Is, like, the export centre of... Uh, for but the world's cocaine on trade. On the other hand, yeah. I mean, Rotterdam is just a huge port. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I'm really convinced. Being yeah, that. what are you no. going to do? Yeah, I mean, unless you become landlocked, like, you're just not going <laughs> to stop cocaine exportation from here. Yeah. Anyway, so they're covering on with uh, legalizing cannabis, right? Or something. Is that yeah, that's well. so on the one, cocaine? On the one hand, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, on the one hand, you have uh, Kraphaus, who's a Christian Democrat minister, arguing for more repressive measures on drugs. Uh, but on the other hand, you have 10 municipalities uh, who are taking part in the government's experiment to grow weed under licensed conditions. Yes. And their names were leaked out uh, last week. So it's, uh, it's going to be Groningen, Tilburg, Almere, Breda, Maastricht, Nijmegen, Arnhem, Zaanstad, Heerlen, and... Hellefoot Slaus. So all, all the cont- we <laughs> maybe can combine it with the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. <laughs> also, are we considering Hellefoot Slaus like an actual city? Because I feel like well, it's I not. think it got, they gained city rights in, it, in the 12th century or something. Yeah, so, yeah. maybe. Yeah, they, they will cultivate and sell the drug, all being well, from 2021. The idea is obviously to create a legal wholesale uh, supply chain for the coffee shops at the moment. Have to buy it on the black market, which obviously makes. Uh, uh, yeah, it feeds into this whole criminality problem we were just talking about. Other cities, including Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The Hague and Utrecht, uh, declined to take part uh, because they and their local coffee shops uh, had doubts about the project's viability. But it's kind of curious, on the one hand, you have the government uh, saying that uh, they are looking for, you know, kind of progressive solutions to, um, to to drug use and supply, and on the other hand, they want to crack right down on, because they feel like cocaine use is getting out of hand, these two don't really seem to sit very easily yeah, so together. They are, so they are progressive on soft drugs, but yeah. hard-lined on the 
hard drugs or something. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's that. And they've well, created this problem right. with cannabis that uh, the, yeah. the, 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 they legalized the use but didn't actually legalize the supply, which is uh, which has been a real boost for the criminals who are now <laughs> also getting into producing cocaine. Shocker, yeah. No which one is creating could have bigger seen that problems. Coming. Yeah. yeah. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, it's the same thing with uh, with the architect of the Binnenhof. Uh, you know, you have all these problems that you can clearly see. You don't need a Hubble telescope to yeah. uh, to identify yeah. these problems, but apparently the government is unable to uh, to think about that, or yeah. they just think, oh, that's something for for later. For, yeah, for yeah the, for someone the else can sort that out next further down the line. Future government problem. Future government. Yeah, I think perhaps that's that's their line of reasoning. I don't know. The high season of tourism is over, but the discussion will go on so long as the country remains a just a bit too popular with British stag parties. And Amsterdam isn't the only city with problems anymore. Harlem announced last week that it is taking its own actions against what it calls low-quality tourists. <laughs> Nearly, British people? Which is British people, British yeah. people. <laughs> Nearly half a million people visited the city near Amsterdam last year. That's up 17%. The city would like a few less, or at least a few less people interested in beer bikes. The city has banned those and segways and limited how long people can rent out rooms or apartments on Airbnb. Is this just a Dutch thing or is it just me that we have these cities that think they have a major tourist problems even though they don't have a yeah. tourist problem. There aren't that many tourists coming to Harlem. And I was going to say, I never heard of anyone going to Harlem uh, in the, I, as a tourist. I went to Harlem now. as a tourist. Well, I was going to say, people yeah. who live here yeah. go to Harlem but yeah. people coming uh, f- flying in from and just London and Manchester and Liverpool, I don't buy we it. We did I notice, I did notice, I think, when we were there and we were there in February so like obviously this is not high season i think i noticed more people speaking english than i would have expected but it did not feel like it was overrun we didn't have to wait in line or anything i mean it didn't seem to me to be like that overcrowded but i don't know maybe it's really bad in the summer so meanwhile amsterdam is trying to send their tourists to the hague the south holland city has taken over the i'm amsterdam Sorry, are they trying to send their tourists to the hague for war crimes <laughs> i mean depends on who you ask in amsterdam <laughs> the south holland city has taken over the i am amsterdam stall in the amsterdam central station this week it's now selling green and yellow adio merchandise rather than the red and white ix jerseys and scars the screens in the store are advertising budget day or as the dutch insist on calling it <laughs> prince's stock the country also received a, a welcomed british visitor this week prince harry was here to promote tourism but only in the sustainable way his new project is called travel lace travel lice nobody's really sure it's aimed at improving conservation environmental protection and expanding local community economic development by encouraging sustainable tourism practices across the travel industry that is of course according to a press release it's not really clear if this project will uh, keep drunk brits in their own country well, it hasn't succeeded in the case of Prince Harry. No, but at least he wasn't drunk when he was here. So. Not dressed as a Nazi. He, he, I feel like, is probably a high-quality tourist, according to Harlem. I think Harlem would define him as a high-quality tourist, I yeah. I he also so got too. into a bit of uh, hot water because it turned out he'd um, been Flown on uh, several there. flights yeah. several pri- pri- in, in private jets over there. I think he'd flown four times in the last 11 days or something I by mean, private jets. Again, Isn't that what royals do? I see your yeah. point. On the other hand, like, what is he supposed to do? Take an easy jet flight? Like, it's chaos and mass hysteria. Like, we, we could just go on a Carl M plane flown by King William. That's, that's true. Surely, that's yes. true. <laughs> wow, yeah, William Alexander should start an <laughs> just air, airline just for yeah. royals. Yeah. <laughs> Back to school. The opening of the new academic year in Leiden is usually a big celebration full of traditional pomp and ceremony, but this year it is overshadowed by growing tensions between Education Minister van Engelshoven and University. The official opening this year saw protests by hundreds of students and by professors as well, who put on red velvet on their traditional black hats. 
Reasons for the uh, protest is the announcement by Van Engelshoven that technical universities will be funded more, while broader universities for arts, medicine and social studies will face cuts in their funding. At the same time, university staff have been complaining for years about the high pressure they face at work, but they do not feel they are being listened to or taken seriously by the government. Van Engelshoven does say she is aware of the yes. complaints and she has commissioned a report into the current situation and the options, such as increasing the fixed funding universities are given to reduce the reliance on student numbers uh, and, and she will look at this uh, once the report has been uh, concluded oh, she said okay. what's the significance of the red velvet I don't get that. well usually they wear uh, black velvet hats yeah. uh, that's the traditional uh, outfit and they put on some red velvet for Engelshoven was there as well so it yeah. was basically a silent protest I see um, yeah to just uh, I don't know to just use a different color yeah they mm-hmm. just use a different color hat the uh, podcast Stuka Road Flakes did a really good interview with somebody from this what is it called Va Veoze Axi something like this there's like a, some sort of action some, some that action they were group. doing yeah, yeah this action yeah. group and they did a they did a really interesting interview with that and they talked a lot about like both of them are professors at universities and they talked a lot about like the universities what uh, what kind of professors were they he, the guy who hosts the thing is a some kind of professor at the University of Amsterdam, and she is a professor at the University of Leiden. The person who was interviewing, mm. I'm not sure in what some kind of social science. I think he's a political scientist. I don't remember what she is exactly. I think the reasoning behind this um, redistribution of funding is that there is a very yeah, there's a large shortage of mm. of, of engineers and uh, yeah. technical. Uh, professionals so yeah that's the reason why they are shifting this funding but yeah although shifting the funding away from medicine seems really problematic because there's also a lot of like there's a there's not enough medical professionals being Mm -hmm. educated in the Netherlands either so yeah, I don't know. But 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 what would be the more logical thing to do is to then increase the funding of the of the technical universities, right. but don't let that uh, uh, make sure the the funding for the other universities yeah. isn't yeah. Don't, don't take it away yeah. from the other yeah, yeah other so types. Th- that seems to be very unfair. Yeah. and there's also been some good news for future students. Yes, yeah. because the Dutch Labour Party has done a U-turn and is now calling for the return of student grants, which were abolished under a Labour minister in 2015. Hmm. Party leader Lodewijk Usher told Radio 1 News on Tuesday that youngsters are facing many uncertainties at present and that the reintroduction of a basic grant would give them more security. Uh, since 2015, students uh, have had to borrow uh, to fund their degree courses and run up on average uh, debt of around 21,000 euros by the time they graduate. The change of position by the Labour Party now means that there is a majority support for the return of grants in Parliament. Two of the four coalition parties, the CDA and Christenuni, also back a return to grants. Uh, the end of student grants was finally pushed uh, through Parliament in 2015, as I said, with the support of Liberal Democratic Party D66 and left-wing Greens of GroenLinks. Education Minister Ingrid van Engelshoven said in a reaction she has asked uh, for the student loan system to be re-examined and is uh, not opposed to reforms if it uh, transpires that some students are being disadvantaged. So all the things basically that Labour insisted would not happen when they scrapped student grants have now happened and they said okay exactly including (laughs) that banks wouldn't take the student uh, debts into account by uh, granting for example mortgages uh, mortgages and stuff like that but they do because I mean 21,000 euros yeah. in depth for a person can't really who is ignore that uh, no you can't no. ignore that which which you know it's very logical and mm-hmm. again problems that you could see yeah. uh, coming from very far you don't need, again you yeah. don't need the Hubble telescope to no. see this problem emerging but the government uh, yeah ignored yeah. this and now they are uh, 
luckily uh, another landed with a problem that exactly. uh, everyone can see coming yeah so yeah luckily they are changing this but uh, I mean it's uh, for everyone every student who started from 2015 this is uh, they still are in the they same they will still have uh, this, to borrow money and end up in debt when they graduate exactly yeah the Dutch national team are in Hamburg uh, this evening, that's Friday evening, for a crucial European Championship qualifier against Germany. And that means a return for Ronald Koeman to the stadium where he famously scored a penalty against the Germans in 1988 and then wiped his ass on Olaf Thom's shirt. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, it was a fame, well, it was a, it was a, the semi-final of the 1988 um, European Championship, which the Dutch went on to win. Um, the Germans went one 0 up. Kuman scored a penalty to equalise. The Dutch won, and then uh, it was very much uh, it was a very emotional fixture because of the lost World Cup final of '74, and of course. World War Two, right? So there was a lot of baggage around this uh, particular event, and Kuman swapped shirts with Olaf Thun, a German defender, at the end of the game, and then uh, basically ostentatiously wiped his backside with the shirt rather than putting it on. That's, it's a famous incident. There are pictures. There've been scandalous. pictures of it in the media all week, okay. and he's been asked about it, and he said, "Yeah, it was a bit stupid, but you know, it was kind of." Uh, yeah, the, the, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there, there was a certain amount of kind of payback uh, going on uh, around that around that game. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so Why yeah, so, do we pay football players so much money again? We didn't in those days. Yeah, fair enough. And now they're not doing stupid things anymore. So no, they fine. never do stupid no, no, stuff. No, they never do. It's fine. Uh, Aronia kind of really need a draw, at least a draw, after they were lost reverse fixture 3-2 in Amsterdam to a late German goal. Uh, on Monday, they're playing again. Uh, they're travelling to Estonia for another... Um, European Championship qualifier. The women's team have also started their World Cup campaign. That was also in Estonia. They won seven nil last Friday. So uh, they set a fairly yeah. It's all, it's all happening in Estonia. Hmm. Uh, set a fairly high bar for the men. I've got to say, winning seven nil. Uh, they followed up <laughs> which with which the men will not meet. Unlikely, I have to say. They followed up with a three nil home victory against Turkey in midweek. So the women uh, at least uh, seem to be on course uh, to qualify. And uh, Eredivisie is also back from their summer break. Uh, what's happening there? Yeah, they've been playing for a month. Uh, Futessa Arnhem are the surprise leaders of the domestic league after five games. That's partly because Ajax and PSV have played a game less because they've been playing in Europe. Ajax have also mostly held on to, held on to more players than people expected that they would uh, for oh. this campaign. Donny van der Beek is not going to Real Madrid, which everyone thought was going to happen over the summer. Uh, and they've qualified for the group stages of the Champions League this season. We're going to face Chelsea, Valencia and Lille. PSV, Feyenoord and AZ are all still in the Europa League, but AZ are hamstrung by the fact they don't have a stadium at the moment. Oh yeah, the roof blew off, <laughs> The right? roof blew in during it a storm in, yeah. in August uh, on a Saturday afternoon, but luckily they weren't playing at home that uh, that weekend. But they were, when this happened, they were playing. They were playing they were in, in yeah, a different they, stadium. They were, they were playing an away game. I Was forget who against. the architect of the stadium <laughs> <laughs> someone we've already discussed on the podcast? <laughs> no, but the contractor uh, went bankrupt. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, shocked. Yeah. yeah, there's been a report by um, I think Royal Huskoning, which has highlighted all kinds of deficiencies with the construction and the signing off of the stadium roof. Yeah, it it's, it's, dodgy, I think it's it? very um, uh, premature to uh, draw conclusions. Uh, yes. a couple of weeks after this happened, but yeah, there seems to be a lot of uh, problems with the contractor and the subcontractors, and uh, yeah, so uh, we're gonna have to wait and see. A lot of stadiums are um, uh, now. Uh, worried that mm. their stadium are, is also it might also be compromised uh, structurally, mm. yeah. especially because um, the FC Twente stadium also collapsed a couple of years ago. So mm. there's, uh, yeah, we had now we had a couple of incidents with stadiums in the, in the past year. So yeah, we, we uh, yeah a lot of football teams are worried yeah. that uh, their stadiums are also. Um, what do they do in the meantime? 
they find another stadium. Basically, oh. I think they played their first game at uh, in Den Haag's stadium. Oh, I think, okay. and yeah. Uh, yeah, they've just got to find somewhere else to play. Yeah. Wow, um, that sucks. They're just gonna yeah. travel uh, through the country yeah. in order. And, and what uh, I think FC Twente did when their stadium collapsed, they uh, basically built a temporary uh, stadium around a uh, practice field. So they, mm. uh, I said, might do the same. And uh, speaking of things coming crashing down, <laughs> what happened to Max Verstappen at the weekend? Yeah, well, yeah, poor old Max. He'd been doing quite well. He'd gone 21 races without crashing or dropping out. Wow, um, I'm impressed. Yeah, it is very impressive. And how many races has he gone without throwing a temper tantrum? Yeah, well, probably about one. Okay. Um, and he was, he was starting to look like uh, he was going to fulfil his potential as a world title contender. So tens of thousands of Dutch fans descended on uh, Belgium uh, the weekend. It was <laughs> the Belgium me feel Grand Prix. Bad for Belgium. Yeah, uh, all, all wearing orange shirts, uh, hoping to see uh, um, another success for their hero, but he came a cropper on the first corner, because after having a bad start from fifth place on the 350 grid... 350 metres. Yeah, wow. he, he ran into uh, Kimi Raikkonen's uh, Mercedes and then tried to carry on, but unfortunately he'd wrecked his suspension, so he just drove into a wall of tyres and that was the end of his race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he was fine, right? Like, I could laugh he was at him. Okay, okay fine. Yes, then it's yeah. funny that he drove Everyone was home. okay. Raikkonen was okay. He carried on. But, but I mean, Belgian yeah. roads are notoriously bad. <laughs> it's so. true. Thank you for making the joke that we were all thinking. <laughs> and to rub salt into the wound, the race was won by Charles Leclerc, who is uh, somebody that Verstappen isn't really very fond of. No. Um, but he did have a, a surprisingly time. emotionally mature response to this one. He did at first. Oh, yeah. did he? He was quite did sanguine. He, he said, that's racing, these things happen. But then Nico Rosberg had a bit of a go at him um, and he snapped back at him. Yeah. Of course. So he's, yeah, he, he, his petulance came through in the end. Yeah. We will be discussing everything that happened over the summer after this word from our sponsors. Hey you, you, listening to the podcast for free. We're really glad you all like our OPEF coverage and Dick Laureate jokes, but it costs money to bring them to your ears. If you have a few extra bucks and you would like to support the work we do, you can now back us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to donate. We will give a shout out to all our backers on the podcast. If you donate 50 euros, Gordon will dedicate the next podcast to his love of lavender strobe waffles. For 75 euros, Molly will watch one entire football match. And for the low, low, low amounts of 100 euros, I will vote for the Socialist Party in the next election. So please go to patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL to support us and keep Truby fed, which is very important. So, how did everyone survive their summer? We well, enjoyed the heat. we survived. We, we survived. survived, yeah. We're back. It was a surprisingly quiet summer, I feel like. There was not yeah. that much that happened. Yes, so a lot I of... I mean, other than Brexit. I mean, in the Netherlands. Gordon, God. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of time for Komkommer news. Yeah, there was a lot of crappy Komkommer news. Yes. There was a lot of foreign press making up things about the Netherlands. Yeah. Did we all enjoy our nixing? Yes. yes. We, I did a lot of Nixa this summer, and it was quite enjoyable. The news agenda was very much a Nixon news agenda, wasn't it? Yeah. Without a doubt, the most important news of the summer was the awarding of next year's Eurovision mm-hmm. Song Contest Festival to the city of Rotterdam. Rotterdam has been selected as the host city after beating Maastricht in a short list of two. The Netherlands will host the show because singer-songwriter Duncan Lawrence won the contest last year, or last earlier this year, whatever, however you want to define that. The first Dutch victory in 44 years. Uh, the event will be held in the Ahoy Stadium. If the roof hasn't fallen in. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. Which, I mean, really, who knows at this point. Yeah. Yes. Um, Molly, you had some other suggestions about where the festival should be held, did you not? I did, and we will link to this article in which I suggest that the Church Hall of Urk would have been a wonderful spot. Why? Because why? 
Because there was just like this endless discussion about where we were going to host this song festival and yeah. all these like random places were like, hey, we should do it here as if like anybody was going to host the song festival in Arnhem. Yeah, I'm disappointed it's not Hellafood Slaus. Yeah. <laughs> where, 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 where they could also just supply the weed. So I <laughs> wanted, I put together a list of like places that were impossible to pronounce, like Ostheist, so that you would have to watch all these like foreign people try to say that. Yeah, that would have been very cruel. Yeah, yeah. it would have been amazing. And Gordon, so you were away for the summer, but uh, did you experience any of the crazy heat? wave that happened here? Uh, I did indeed. I actually managed to schedule my entire summer holiday around uh, various heat waves because we had the first (laughs) heat wave in July then I was camping in Drenthe. Very nice. Uh, So I was in a tent when it was 38 degrees in Drenthe uh, which is quite testing. We, uh, we, this is hell. That's yeah. hell. <laughs> it really was almost a definition of hell. Yeah. It was even hotter further south because we got up to 40.7 degrees, I think, at Hilserai and Airfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was... Uh, 40.4, 40.4 degrees. There was a nice little incident because uh, the last place, I forgot which place it was, but where the heat wave was broken... The, yeah. uh, the old record was at like 75 years old. Isn't it? 75 yeah. years yeah. old, so it was a very long time ago in this little city, got rewarded a, a heat record uh, like a plug plug or a trophy something like that um so when the new heat wave was broken by Gilseraya mm. this uh, municipality invited the mayor of Gilseraya to come and get the heat, the heat wave, wave trophy but nobody showed up <laughs> it was too hot the, it, no yeah train. It, it, it <laughs> that was that was uh, weeks after the heat wave there was only one Omroep Brabant showed up to record the stuff and report uh-huh. on the little ceremony. But yeah, the mayor had to, I don't know, there was some sort of emergency, so I couldn't come over anymore. And so, he couldn't, what, send like a deputy mayor? No, but they instead, uh, Omroep Brabant accepted the trophy <laughs> and they drove it back to Gilsenraya. Well, right. nice of Omroep Brabant yeah. to step in there. So yeah, we had two days in a row, I think, of record temperatures as yeah. well. So it ended up with that. Uh, so that heat wave lasted till the start of August, uh, at which point I went away um, on holidays to, to Italy. It rained here, it was very hot where I was. And then uh, when I came back, we had another heat wave because it was 35 <laughs> degrees. So are you just appreciating the fact that it's like now cold and rainy outside? Just well, like I, I just feel much more yeah, yeah. Uh, relaxed and at home given yeah. that uh, yeah, I moved from Scotland where this is summer weather. Yeah. Basically <laughs> what we're Some right regions now. in the country had three heat waves, right? Yes, yeah, so Eindhoven, I think, among yeah. other places had three heat waves. Yeah, uh, The hot weather also uh, cost around 400 lives, uh, the CBS calculated. 400? Uh, wow. Yeah, compared to how many people would normally die at that time oh. of year in milder weather. Yeah, there was a, an oh. announcement by a food bank that they they, who normally does like delivery of like food packages during the first heat wave that they it was too hot for their volunteers to go out so they weren't going to be delivering like food packages and it was like well people who are bedridden who can't come out are going to what have to come out and walk in 40 degree temperatures mm-hmm. to get their food yeah. now this seems terrible and the Rotterdam police put out an announcement saying that they weren't going to be chasing criminal suspects so like don't commit any crimes <laughs> basically because it was too hot we did have some actual serious news, though. But Paul, what um, what the hell happened with the FA Day this summer? Sort of Brexit uh, <laughs> situation they yeah. had over there. There were mini Brexit. Mini, mini Brexit, Brexit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was definitely the biggest story of the summer for uh, sure. Uh, the soap opera of Cherubudes Forum for Democracy. It all started before the summer. Uh, Hank Otter, that was one of the founding fathers of uh, Forum for Democracy, uh, and also the party treasurer and a senator, had given an interview to NRC in which he criticized Baudet for his uh, boreal talk. Yeah, Bo- his Owl of Minerva. Uh, Owl of, of Minerva. Yeah, that's uh, it, it. Came from a not. 
notorious uh, speech that uh, Baudet delivered after they won the provincial elections. Mm. And a week later, coincidentally, it was leaked that Otto had given himself and other board members a bonus of 30,000 euros. Okay. Following this, Otto was forced to step down from the board. Uh, and during the summer, the saga re-emerged. And after several public accusations of theft and fraud, both by Baudet and by Otto, Otto was kicked out of the party and started his own political party. He was later joined by two other FAD senators and several provincial representatives, meaning that uh, Forum for Democracy is no longer the largest party in the Senate and remains with nine seats. Mm. How long did they hold that title distinction for? Like three uh, months? In May, they started the, the, the yeah. Senate. The new Senate yeah. started in May, so a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. But then they lost Otto first, didn't they? Because they, they suspended him from the yeah. party. So yeah. at that point, yeah. he was no, no longer. No, uh, he was uh, first. He, so the, in, before the summer, he was kicked out as a board member, but yeah. he stayed on as a, a senator. Senate le- senator. First, he was uh, the proposed Senate leader for mm. Forum for Democracy, but they said after this uh, little scandal, we ca- can no longer have you as a leader. So he was just an ordinary senator. Yeah. And after that, he stepped out of the yeah. party. And later, he was joined by two others. Yeah, and he's also said he's going to sue Forum for Democracy for slander. Yeah, but Baudet also said that. So, yeah. No, but he has actually filed an official report now. Also, oh, did he? he? Yes, oh, okay. he has. He's reported to police. Yeah, yeah. There was, during yeah. the summer, there was a lot of threats of, yeah. of, of suing. No, he's and, made a formal. Uh, he went on a really long Twitter rant where he like had all of the Bonachos for things. I mean, I didn't know much about Hank Otta until this, but it sort of, I think, uh, encapsulates the philosophical differences between him and Baudet, which is, is that he was like this very pragmatic, yeah. Yeah. organized, like politicus kind of person and so he had one of those well orchestrated rants with like citations and yes. footnotes and that kinds of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. he actually backed up his argument with evidence, evidence. which uh, Baudet kind of struggles with Baudet is not, not, a, not a concept <laughs> he's familiar with yeah. yeah and in this summer soap opera about funding and mismanagement of finances uh, a lot of little details came out mm. uh, yeah some about, interesting uh, details some de- yeah. interesting details we all remember the uh, nude photo of uh, of Jerry Baudet that summer forget? we've tried um, to forget burned we tried into so hard but it's yeah. burned into uh, burned into our retinas yes yeah. unfortunately but Otter accused Baudet of paying for that summer holiday with the party credit card while Baudet was accusing Otter of you know paying a lot of money and grabbing a lot of money out of the party uh, funds. Oh, uh, he, he was... said Baudet paid for his nude vacation mm. uh, with the party credit card. Oh, look um, at that. And also NewsUr made a uh, reconstruction which showed that the fight between Otter and Baudet had been going on for at least one and a half years. Uh, yeah, as you said, mostly because Otter wants to have a pragmatic party uh, which offers solutions for, for real people, but uh, Baudet is more interested in the philosophical yeah. side yeah. of the... He's uh, more interested in the kind of the show and the um, as well as well yeah there's also the, the, my favorite bit of this has to be though the exchange about the plants so uh, <laughs> tell us about uh, oh, what, yeah, the, what happened with the plants what when uh, plant? Baudet won't spend party money on the plants right and then yeah, what happened yeah well yeah. when Thierry Baudet gained a new office at oh. the Tweede Kamer because he became an MP uh, and of course offices need to have some furniture yeah, and decoration, also some yeah. decorations yeah. and some plants However, Baudet ordered 9,000 euros worth of office plans. How do you even 
Pet Warder 9,000. Like, I am a person with like 70 houseplants in my house. I don't think I spend 1,000 euros on them, let alone 9,000. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have a party uh, to, to which you can send the bill. That's mm. true. Baudet tried to do this and uh, Otto, who was the treasurer, uh, saw this bill and he emailed Thierry uh, Baudet. 9,000 euros is a bit much for some plants, don't you think? Uh, but Baudet insisted that he wanted to yeah. uh, have these plants. So yeah, didn't he say he sent him a one-line email saying, don't we have a party budget? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the plants were paid, but uh, they didn't last for long mm. uh, because, as it turned out, later, a couple of weeks later, they were poisoned with white wine. And uh, <laughs> Intentionally? <laughs> unintentionally? What Inten happened? Yeah, all the plants died, so yeah, yeah it was probably some, uh, some plan. Uh, so some mysterious here. person that tipped white wine into the plants. Who could it have been? Who could it have yeah. been? Well, News says that uh, there is a, uh, a rumor that uh, it was Otten himself who did this. But uh, I mean, I feel bad for the plants in this situation. Well, they are the real victims. I, I've, I've got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm just pleased that uh, Otten got the plants drunk and not Baudet because you don't know what else Baudet would have planned That's for them. That's true. That is true. And uh, there was something called the Eastern Bunny Incident. Yes, please tell us about this. <laughs> Forum for Democracy had their party conference in the Rai in mm -hmm. Amsterdam and Otto has arranged uh, some sort of option to, to have uh, the, the next uh, conference uh, in, in, in the Rai as well. And uh, some person who works at the Rai went to the uh, party office in, in Amsterdam with an Eastern Bunny to thank them for uh, arranging this option. Could you explain to our listeners what an Eastern Bunny is? I don't know. The, the uh, news who didn't explain what they mean, but I assumed <laughs> that it was like a chocolate Eastern Bunny or something. <laughs> as a sort of thank you gift. Yeah. Uh, no. uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what it was. It wasn't a live bunny though, It right? wasn't a live okay, bunny. Okay, that's no, no. good. Let's but Baudet accepted it, uh, but he didn't know anything about this option thing, so he saw this as a sort of cool by Ulta, so that's where it all started. That's oh. where the real fight started. Because he wanted to host the thing in the rye again? That's Well, uh, uh, also behind Baudet's back was arranging all these kind of stuff. So I think uh, that was like the last straw for Baudet right. that he saw a coup coming up. I'm, I'm not sure how it worked, but this is what, what Nutri told us. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in hindsight, we can now see that these problems have been going on for, for a couple of years now. For example, in the um, election campaign, when Baudet was asked about uh, what is Form for Democracy's uh, standpoint on Nexit, for example, mm. Baudet said, yeah, we definitely want a Nexit. But Otto, who was the front runner for the Senate, said, no, we don't want that. So mm. we already saw that there was something going on there. Uh, do we know what effect this has had on uh, Fede's fortunes in the polls? Yeah, the, the polls uh, don't look very good for uh, Form for Democracy because you know voters don't like uh, all these fightings in parties naturally of and uh, so. in the latest polls they um, uh, lost seven seats now well yeah seven seats on where they were so straight after the provincial elections but still substantially more seats than they got in the last election yeah, I should say. yeah. the polls in April right. um, had form for democracy on 24 seats mm -hmm. and now they only have 11 so yeah they are going down pretty fast yeah and um, it wouldn't be a summer without Ophef and uh, we had a rather hairy situation involving King Willem Alexander, didn't we, Molly? Yes, the king grew a beard. Yes. Uh, he appeared this summer at the funeral of his aunt, Princess Christina, sporting a full red beard. This, of course, was a topic of much discussion when it happened. And in the last week, we've had another bit of ophef about it. New Puntanel reported yesterday that any future notes or stamps featuring the king's image will not include his new beard. There are two <laughs> upcoming commemorative coins which were designed before his new edition, and the government does not plan to redesign them. What do we think of the beard? 
I, I think it's singular I think it suits him. Yeah, it suits suits him. Him. I think yeah. he's reached that age where, yeah, a beard is kind of an, an appropriate, uh, appropriate thing. Yeah, it gives him a certain gravitas and yeah. regal statesman-like uh, appeal, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, but uh, he had it before, um, he, uh, you know, a beard after, yeah. the, after the holidays, but usually he just shaves, uh, shaves it, off. it right off. And yeah. now he appeared in public in Ternosa last week, I yeah. think. With his beard, so it might be a sign that he is he is keeping it. It's 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 a bit of a trend uh, for yeah. politicians to grow beards in the in the summer holidays. Yeah. For example, um, Eric Wiebes had a beard. Eric yeah, Wiebes, yeah, 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 he, summer, he yeah. quite quite often has that, and also yeah. uh, the Jonge, Hugo de Jonge yeah. has oh, yeah. it as well. And uh, most notoriously, it was um, Ronald Plasterk, ah. the former Interior Minister of Labour, who uh, all of a sudden showed up with a full-grown beard, beard. after yeah. the summer. Yeah. How would Mark Rutte look with the Not beard? Not good. I, I can't imagine no. that Mark Rutte, no. Paul, uh, the Amsterdam mayor, Femke Hausman, did not perhaps have the best summer. Slightly more controversial than growing a beard. Although if she grew a beard, I think there would be more up about it. Yeah. What, uh, what happened with her? Well, nothing with her, but with her son. Mm. Her teenage son. The Telegraaf published a story on its front page that Hausman's 15-year-old son had been arrested for armed burglary and that she had to try to cover it up. Uh, the teenager was, was arrested, in fact, after breaking into an abandoned houseboat with a friend and running off after police came to stop the youths in mid-July. Uh, they were carrying fake guns and had been fooling around by emptying the contents of a fire extinguisher into a canal. So this new story came out, but uh, I think the most ophef was about the Telegraaf itself, yeah. who yeah. tried to turn this private issue, a private mm-hmm. problem involving a teenager, teenager. Yeah. into a national story yeah. and, uh, and they kind of hyped it up somewhat by calling it an armed break-in when in fact yeah. it was a fake gun and uh, the boat wasn't was who didn't do that as a, as a teenager. Femke Halsema felt she was forced to uh, write a letter to all um, citizens of Amsterdam from her holiday destination she wrote my son ran off and in a panic threw the fake gun away he broke the law, he should not have had a fake gun with him and he should not have gone into an abandoned boat and he will have to take responsibility for for that. The issue is being dealt with by the public prosecution department in Harlem rather than in Amsterdam because Femke Halsma is as a mayor in charge mm-hmm. of the uh, police. Yeah. My son is an ordinary Amsterdam lad who has made a mistake but he does not deserve an extra public punishment just because he is my son, the mayor said. Uh, the Telegraaf devoted the first three pages to the incident, an unprecedented amount of coverage for a case involving a minor and based on an anonymous source. Yeah. yeah. So on the one hand, you had the, the op-hef from people who said that Halsmeier tried to cover this up and that was trying to justify the Telegraaf publication. On the other hand, you people said that they went after her because she's a left-wing mayor and a woman and they feel that that makes her a target for populist papers. What I, do we think? I was. I thought this whole thing was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it was being handled by Harlem. They had made this move so that there was no connection and there's nothing to cover up he's a minor and it says Mm. in dutch law that you can't release the names of minors to the press who are arrested anyway so what was she supposed to do hold a press conference and say like my son who is a minor was arrested which is like breaking the rules that the telegraph also broke yeah there was actually relatively quite minor incident in which nobody got hurt yeah and i mean and he's he's bad and he should be punished and if he's not punished and she was dealing with it and she said so it seemed to be being dealt with appropriately i don't know what the Telegraph or anybody else would have wanted her to do, I don't know, take him out back and beat him and post a video on YouTube maybe. But like short of that, what else could you have done in this situation? And yeah, I think the whole situation was just dealt with... Um, appropriately. Yeah, very appropriately. Yeah, I, yeah agree. I agree. And uh, finally, we can't end a discussion about Dutch news without uh, discussing bikes. <laughs> and specifically a certain uh, bike facility in Utrecht, Gordon. What was going on there? 
Yes, so Utrecht uh, opened the world's largest ever bike storage facility uh, to great fanfare two weeks ago. It's got space for 12,500 bicycles. 12,565, I uh-huh. think. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wow, that's uh, very yeah. accurate. I know this. I was at the opening for the goddamn press conference. Ah, for uh, it. Yes. At the city's central station, so yes. they're very proud of it. Yes. But in one of those only in the Netherlands moments, it turns out it wasn't big enough. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when the commuters went back to work this week uh, and everyone tried to leave at the same time on their bikes so there was an enormous traffic jam at the exit and everyone started complaining uh, and posting pictures on Twitter doesn't that just mean they don't have enough exits well they don't have enough people they have to check everyone in and check everybody out oh it's a paid Um, uh, yeah it's a paid for the first 24 hours are free and after that but you still have to check in and out yeah so you have to check in and out yeah to mark your time and apparently this is what was causing all the traffic then the Delta bike storage facility is better because it's just free you can just drive in and park your bike whatever and then forget where you've put it. Yeah, yeah I think that, to me <laughs> this week. I think the uh, experiment of charging people after 24 hours is, is kind of interesting because there is endless amounts of complaints that bike parking facilities are just filled up with like bikes that are abandoned more or bikes, less of, yeah. either abandoned or people are just using them once every couple of months or they go on vacation and they leave them there for three months and these sorts of things. So I wonder if this will, once the dust sort of settles and people get used to it, if it'll be better. There was um, an excellent uh, <laughs> Twitter thread that I saw. Uh, someone was asking a question about this uh, bar or, or complaining I'm not yeah. sure and this person tagged the NS and the NS is not in charge of the parking uh, facility so they tagged ProRail yeah. mm-hmm. who also wasn't in charge, charge of the, so and they tagged the uh, Gemeente Utrecht uh, right. who um, apparently is in charge yeah. well, they are actually in charge uh-huh. now, anyway they, they've said they will put more staff on to stop there being such a big backlog in future projects. We were there, I mean, obviously we were there not during rush hour and also not before the summer holidays ended, but the facility is very nice and I found it quite like easy to use. I think it's very, uh, it was very functional, so I hope that they, they work it out. What but, have they done to make it easier to find your bike? Because that's usually the problem when you park your bike well, in, the, in the middle of 10,000 other bikes. It's, it's pretty p- clearly demarcated and stuff mm. and they seem to have d- developed a system of like, it's it's sort of, I don't think, the I don't know if the building itself is circular, but it feels circular because you kind of like go around and a circle to go up and down the levels rather than like having these like long yeah. rows and they they seemed to have designed it like with some thought in mind to how people use it but was it cl- designed by a certain architect <laughs> we already discussed that i cannot answer <laughs> actually no it was not it was designed by another architecture firm right. but i think the takeaway from this is anytime you are in the netherlands and you are planning anything that involves bikes Whatever your reasonable estimate is, you should just take that and quadruple it Mm. and then maybe still add on 20% because every time they build a bike parking station or they put up temporary bike parking for some sort of event or they're setting up things for bike traffic always they're like yes we've, we've underestimated yeah. it's it fills up mm. yeah yeah that's true so there's more bikes than people in this country and someone needs to like explain that to whoever yeah. is organizing <laughs> these things <laughs> that is all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL, and you'll order yourself a free shout-out if Gordon remembers to do it next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll shout-out the uh, the new patrons over the summer and next week's Next episode. week. We'll yeah. give you an extra good yeah. shout-out. Yeah. My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Paters. I'm Molly Quell. We'll be back next week.